4: guess who's black Mm. black again Mm. jimmy's back Mm. tell a friend no your ears are not deceiving you or i guess it's like that old phrase are you gonna believe me or your lying eyes no believe your ears it's uncle jimmy y'all hey man i'm here to give you the best of whitlock's weekend updates and that was the chair that was not me i promise Listen here, y'all. <laughs> hey, man, it's glad to be back, man. Thank y'all for the prayers, well wishes, and anything else, man. Uh, on Monday show, uh, take a listen and uh, listen to this CBS story about the Louisiana's dads on duty. That was a pretty interesting story. Y'all need to check that out, see what you think about it.
3: Men, we're the vaccine. An injection of masculine male energy can improve every problem plaguing America. We, men, we can flatten the curve overnight. Southwood High School in Louisiana, they took the jab earlier this month. After three straight days of on-campus violence and 23 students arrested, a group of 40 fathers injected themselves into the school. Guess what happened? The violence stopped the day dads on duty started walking the hallways and greeting students as they entered the building. Immediately, overnight, the vaccine works. CBS Evening News spotlighted the dads on Friday in a two-minute story. The story spread virally throughout the weekend. Even on masculinity hostile Twitter, the story was well received. It has 61,000 retweets, 160,000 likes, and more than 10 million views. For those of you that haven't seen it, let's take a look at the CBS story. Here's a highlight.
1: Not many good news stories begin in such a bad news way. It happened last month here at Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana.
5: Plagued with violence That's over
1: the course of 3 days,
5: another fight. 23 it's students arrested
1: for fighting. Massive police response to But Southwood strangely, High there hasn't been another incident since. Perhaps in part because of this most unusual crisis intervention team. Nobody here has a degree in school counseling. No. No majors in criminal justice. No, no. Your qualifications are Parents. We're dads.
4: We decided the best people who can take care of our kids are who?
1: For us. What we do. So Michael Lafitte started Dads on Duty. We're out doing what we do for our babies. A group of about 40 Southwood dads who now hang out at the school in shifts. Let's go. Today, any negative energy that enters the building has to run a gauntlet of good parenting.
3: What's going on, buddy? You moving fast. I like that horse. All right. So i'm not going to criticize uh steve hartman the cbs anchor or host broadcaster that put that together reporter that put that together but i do like his choice of words strangely and perhaps in part there's nothing strange about it and it's not perhaps in part it's because of the dad showing up but again i don't want to criticize him the cbs story also made no mention of the race of the dads. I actually kind of respect that decision. In such a short, condensed story, it would be difficult to unpack the significance of the race of the fathers. But if you look at that video, the dads appear to be all, or at least predominantly black. Statistics show that black kids are denied the male energy vaccine at a substantially higher rate than all other racial groups. More than 70% of black kids are born to unwed parents. Just think what would happen if corporate media focused on the importance of the male energy vaccine as much as it focuses on the COVID vaccine. Young people have a 99.9% chance of surviving COVID-19. Surviving without their dads in the home? The outcomes are catastrophic. You're far more likely to end up in jail, drop out of high school, suffer depression, experience sexual assault, produce out of wedlock kids, join a gang. The list goes on and on and on. The negative outcomes from the lack of the uh, male energy vaccine is incredible, but there's almost no discussion about it. We need a mandate, capital M, capital A, capital N, as in Nancy, we need a male energy vaccine mandate. That's the vaccine. That's the mandate that could save America. There are no negative side effects to men responsibly doing the job they were assigned, shepherding and discipling young people and families. Male energy passed the clinical trials thousands of years ago. The Old Testament of the Bible says, male energy achieved approval from the FDA, Father-Dad Association, in the book of Genesis. What would a man date look like? The government should penalize and tax corporate media, Hollywood, and the music industry for promoting the lie that the world would be a better place without men. The federal government should find ways to financially reward men for answering the call to duty. Let's give men stimulus checks for joining dads on duty rather than handing people money for sitting at home and doing nothing. The nonstop promotion of a matriarchal culture is the anti-vax movement. Feminist leaders are vaccine deniers. YouTube should be removing and demonetizing videos that contain misinformation about the necessary role of men in healthy societies. Let's stop the lies. I admit men are not perfect but society will not be improved by diminishing our responsibilities and roles. The key to improving society is making men live up to their responsibilities and play the role designed by God. I get it, some of you listening to me right now are non-believers, even as an atheist. Surely you understand the importance of male leadership, masculinity, and strength. Surely you realize there's a difference between biological men and biological women. I'm not having an argument about superiority. It's an argument about capacity, roles, and responsibilities. Women, just for an example, they weren't gonna build the Panama Canal. Men did. Men died and suffered doing it. That's just one example. But the thing we're living with today, black boys are dying and suffering in America because they're being denied the male energy vaccine. They're growing up in a culture dominated by the matriarchy. The matriarchy has been placed on an improper pedestal. Corporate media is trying to convince us that Stacey Abrams is the modern day Martin Luther King Jr. Her voter drives are going to take us to the promised land. A vote is more important than a father in the home. No one with an ounce of common sense and an elementary understanding of history believes any of that. You can't sustain a prosperous neighborhood, city, state, country, or school system without intact families led by dads and moms. Corporate media spends hours upon hours talking about the responsibility of police officers to protect and serve the people in their communities. CBS gave two minutes on dads. Two minutes focused on 40 men volunteering to protect and serve the kids in their community. We got two minutes on the black scene. The public is thirsty for a conversation about the responsibilities of men and fathers. That's why the CBS video went viral. Everybody, none of this is any kind of secret. This isn't strange. This isn't perhaps in part. Everybody knows what's going on in American society and American culture. Men have been diminished and removed and replaced in their primary roles and responsibilities. The problem is pervasive throughout America. It's most acute within us, those of us that are black, but it's all over America. Men are hiding in little corners under their desk at home. Oh, we need more matriarchy. We need more women leadership. That's the cure or that's the solution for America. No, it's not. It's our job to lead. I don't care if that makes me sound sexist. I I saw a video from uh, Tony Evans uh, a couple of weeks ago where he was saying uh, some things that aren't popular in PC culture. And Tony Evans made the point like, Hey man, I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to be biblical. And so if me coming at things from a biblical perspective upsets you, I don't care. I don't care if I'm not popular. I don't care if my thoughts aren't popular. I don't care that many of you men are cowards, punks and think hopping on board with the matriarchy and Stacey Abrams and Keisha Lance Bottoms and Kamala Harris, all that's gonna save us. Because you're a punk and don't wanna live up to your responsibilities. I'm not a punk. They wanna sit on TV and the police this and the police should do this and the police need better training. Like, there's no other side of the story. Like, these damn kids need better training, and it starts with daddy doing his job. The primary police officers of young people should be mom and dad. It's their role, it's their responsibility to be officer friendly. Moms and dads have to patrol homes, neighborhoods, and schools. One of these police officers is derelict in his duty and that's dad and that's men. That's why I love the name Dad's on Duty. We have to answer our call of duty. We have to return to the role that was designed for us. We have to man up. And these guys in Louisiana have manned up and we need more than two minutes information about them. The mainstream media and the BLM, LGBTQ, CRT, Alphabet Mafia wanna convince you the government should be our daddy and that America would be a much better place if we ingested more feminine energy and empowered the matriarchy. Check out our schools, our failing schools. They're overrun by women and the matriarchy. There's no respect for authority. Schools are drowning in emotion and misguided aggression. Small handful of dudes showed up at a school in Louisiana and flattened that curve with their mere presence. A mandate is all that's necessary to fix America. And I ain't talking about a COVID mandate. I'm talking about those of us with balls between our legs standing up and doing what we're supposed to do. That's what that story in Louisiana is about. All Right, and on Tuesday,
4: he's still in the news. Dave Chappelle, Enos Cantor, and Floyd Mayweather. They're striking blows on this cultural war. You need to hear what these individuals have to say about it and tell us what you think.
3: Yeah, Monday felt like a tipping point in the social justice culture war raging across Silicon Valley's social media apps. One of the key purposes of Twitter, Instagram and Facebook is the control of celebrity influencers. The apps reinforce the message of the handlers of the athletes and other celebrities. When presidential candidate Joe Biden says you ain't black, If you fail to vote for me, it's the job of Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to affirm that sentiment. Once the social media apps affirm the belief, multimillionaire celebrities know what positions they should take. It's why 95% of all celebrities pretend to think the exact same things and why 99.9% of them say the exact same things. And it's why They get upset and turn verbally vicious when one of their peers breaks ranks. Remember Chelsea Handler, the white Jewish lady who scolded black rapper 50 Cent for questioning Joe Biden's tax tax policies? Handler went on Jimmy Fallon's TV show to remind 50 Cent that he was black and she promised 50 Cent access to her overused vagina if he remembered he was black. 50 Cent back down. He's a rapper, he's a bit of a fraud, he folded because a you know, little white Jewish lady scolded him. He That's what we do. I've been talking about this all the time, about real men not being real men and everybody being afraid to stand on their own two feet and stand up like a man. White woman goes on TV, calls you a sellout, and you fold and apologize. White woman 45 that's been banged by everybody in Hollywood promises you a little poo-tang and you fold. That's my problem with today's black celebrities. It doesn't take much for them to fold. Dave Chappelle, on the other hand, he did not fold. On Monday, the iconic comedian released a video reacting to the controversy engulfing his latest Netflix comedy special. Last week, a handful of Netflix employees staged a publicity stunt slash walkout because they believed the closer expressed transphobic and homophobic viewpoints. The protesters want Netflix to remove the comedy special from the streaming service. So far, Netflix has refused. And so far, (laughs) Dave Chappelle ain't backing down. Take a listen to uh, the video Dave Chappelle put out his statement yesterday.
0: I said what I said, and boy, I heard what you said. My God, how could I not? You said you want a safe working environment at Netflix. Well, it seems like I'm the only one that can't go to the office anymore. Even though the media frames this, that it's me versus that community. It's not what it is. Do not blame the LBGTQ community for any of this shit. This has nothing to do with them. It's about corporate interests and what I can say and what I cannot say. I made a whole documentary about it. The first night of those shows was a piece that some of you might have seen. It was called 846, and it dealt with the death, the murder of George Floyd. This film that I made was invited to every film festival in the United States, and some of those invitations I accepted, and when this controversy came out about the close of, they began disinviting me from these film festivals. And now, today, not a film company, not a movie studio, not a film festival, nobody will touch this film. Thank God for Ted Sarandos and Netflix. He's the only one that didn't cancel me yet. To the transgender community, I am more than willing to give you an audience, but you will not summon me. I am not bending to anybody's demands. (laughs) You will be able to see this movie in its entirety, and you can see what they're trying to obstruct you from seeing. And you can judge for yourself, but you cannot have this conversation and exclude my voice from it. That is only fair. You have to answer the question. Am I canceled or not? Then let's go. Thank you very much and good night.
3: Mm. Someone needs to send that clip to uh, 50 Cent so he can see what it looks like when a black man lets his little boys hang when a black man stands up and refuses to back down because some people are upset. Yeah, Monday felt different, and, and it wasn't just Dave Chappelle. Boxing legend Floyd Mayweather, he released a social media video supporting NBA star Kyrie Irving. Irvin, of course, has been banned from the Brooklyn Nets facility until he submits to taking the COVID vaccine. Take a listen to Floyd letting his little boys hang.
2: Kyrie, what's up? I know you're going through a lot. We had a chance to hang out in 2016 when you represented America, when you represented the red, white, and blue. You only want to be treated fair. Um, I was going to post something on one of my social media pages, but I decided to do it the old school way and read it out to you because you're a great person, great father, a great athlete, and you believe what you believe. America is the land of the free. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and supposedly freedom to choose. Never be controlled by money. I respect you for having some integrity and being your own man. A free mind makes his own choices, and a slave mind follows the crowd. Stand for something or fall for anything. One man can lead a revolution to stand up and fight for what's right. One choice, one word, one action can change the world. It's crazy how people hate you for being a leader. I hope your actions encourage many others to stand up and say enough is enough. Respect to you Kyrie and power to the people.
3: Mm. Respect to Kyrie and power to the people. Mayweather just demonstrated more courage than the overwhelming majority of Irving's NBA peers. It's my belief that most professional athletes would prefer not to take the vaccine. They're young. They're in peak physical condition. COVID poses virtually no threat to them. They agree with Kyrie's stance, but they're afraid to say so. They're afraid to publicly support a peer who is taking a courageous stand. They don't want to be on the wrong side of Twitter or Facebook or one of those algorithm lynch mobs. Thank God Mayweather delights in being the bad guy. There go the bad guy. Thank God Mayweather values being able to say what he believes. So does Enos Kanter. Kanter is a longtime NBA player from Turkey. On Monday, Kanter released a video torching Nike's hypocrisy on China's human rights abuses. Cantor specifically called out Nike founder, Phil Knight, and the shoe company's most prominent pitchmen, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Let's take a listen to Enos Cantor.
1: Nike stands with the Black Lives Matter. Nike stands with Stop Asian Hate. Nike stands with the Latino community. And Nike stands with the LGBTQ community. And Nike remains vocal about injustice here in America. But when it comes to China, Nike remains silent. You do not address police brutality in China. You do not speak about discrimination against the LGBTQ community. You do not say a word about the oppression of minorities in China. You are scared to speak up. Who makes your shoes in China? Do you even know? There are so many forced labor factories in China. For instance, Uyghurs, Uyghur forced labor in modern day slavery, and it is happening right now in China. Millions of Uyghurs are currently detained, sold, and assigned to work at forced labor camps, prisons, and factories across the country. Like you like to say, just do it. Well, what are you doing about the slave labor that makes your shoes? that slave labor that makes you rich. To the owner of Nike, Phil Knight, I have a message for you. How about I book a plane tickets for us? Let's fly fly to China together. We can try to visit these slave labor camps and you can see it with your own eyes. LeBron James and Michael Jordan. You guys are welcome to come too. Mm. Let me quote Enos Kanter. You are scared to speak up.
3: LeBron James night, Michael Jordan, you are scared to speak up. Yes, they are. But more than that, they're frauds, all of them. They blast America because social media algorithms reward criticism of the country that made them rich and famous. They blast America because the Chinese Communist Party rewards criticism of the country that made LeBron, Jordan, Kaepernick, Phil Knight, all of them rich and famous. Thank God for Monday. Monday felt different. It feels like things are changing. It feels like more and more celebrities are breaking free of the chains that control their thoughts and actions. As more break free, it's much easier to identify the true sellouts, the celebrities beholden to China and Silicon Valley. On
4: Wednesday, I want y'all to listen to this one here because this one here strikes close to home. We got an unscripted mono on Andy Reid and the troubles in his family and his effects in the Kansas City Chiefs this season. Take a listen. You got to know something about Kansas City in order to know what's going on in Kansas City. In other words, you can't talk about it unless you done been about it. Take a listen.
3: Andy Reid and my Kansas City Chiefs, they're the biggest mystery in the NFL, and I'm not sure if they're really a mystery at all, but they're three and four. Patrick Mahomes, I think, is leading the NFL with nine interceptions. I think he's thrown 18 touchdown passes, but uh, he's thrown nine interceptions. They just got smoked uh, this past weekend. Uh, Looked horrendous. And so now there's an entire discussion about What's the matter with the Kansas City Chiefs? And I'm not sure if it's some great mystery like everyone's pretending. Teams after a Super Bowl tend to do poorly. That has been uh, the the tradition. But, but there's an even bigger issue and it connects into an issue Steve Kim and I were talking about um, Yesterday on yesterday's show and how it's not what the media tells you a lot of times. That's the real story. It's what the media doesn't tell you. That's where the truth often is. And we were on that topic yesterday because Floyd Mayweather, one of the greatest athletes of all time, one of the greatest boxers of all time, uh, certainly one of the richest athletes, American athletes of all time, came out with a video on Monday in support of Kyrie Irving and Kyrie's stance on the vaccine and not taking the vaccine as of yet and being banned basically by the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA. Floyd Mayweather comes out in support of Kyrie Irving. It's one of the biggest stories in sports. Get, people get upset when I make this analogy. But what Kyrie Irving's doing is very similar to what um, Muhammad Ali did when he refused induction into the draft. He took on the establishment, Ali did, and uh, ignored all the critics. And did something unpopular, and took a bold stance, and paid a price for it. Kyrie is not going to pay that kind of price. No one thinks. But but to have Floyd Mayweather come out and support Kyrie Irving, and then to have all of corporate media ignore Floyd Mayweather supporting Kyrie Irving. He, he, here's. ESPN, Fox Sport, everybody loves to talk about issues outside the world of sports. But it's crickets now that Kyrie Irving is, is standing basically against uh, the vaccine mandate. And Floyd Mayweather comes out and supports him. And no one wants to talk about it. And so a lot it's about what they won't talk about. Enos Cantor. Another great example, uh, he comes out, puts out a statement challenging Nike, Phil Knight, LeBron James, uh, Michael Jordan, ESPN, business partners with the NBA, crickets on Enos Cantor. And so a lot of times, if you really want to understand what's going on in the world, you have to evaluate what the media refuses to talk about or tries to downplay and diminish and won't lean into. Oh my God, Colin Kaepernick took a knee. Let's do wall to wall coverage of that. We want everybody focused in on Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. Tim Tebow takes a knee. We talk about Tebow on a nonstop loop. He takes a knee knee in prayer and in reverence to God and and the media jumps on and turns Tim Tebow into a polarizing figure talked about on a nonstop loop. Enos Cantor takes on Nike, takes on Phil Knight, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, nothing, no, no reaction, not being discussed on a 24-hour loop. Pretty interesting, pretty amazing. And so the same thing applies here as it relates to the Kansas City Chiefs and what's going on with their football team. It seems very obvious to me. And, and I wanna just state this, what I'm about to talk about, uh, I don't want it to be misconstrued. I'm an Andy Reid fan. I think Andy Reid is an outstanding human being. I think that Andy Reid, uh, the way he helped uh, Michael Vick re-enter the NFL from prison, and work, it's one of the greatest things I've seen done in professional athletics. I'm a huge Andy Reid fan, L- longtime Kansas City Chiefs fan. Andy Reid takes that to -to back-to-back Super Bowls and wins a Super Bowl. I'm all on board with Andy Reid. Nothing that I'm about to say is intended to malign Andy Reid. I'm actually sympathetic towards what's going on with the Chiefs and Andy Reid. I think it needs to be discussed. It should be discussed because it's relevant. And I think there are things we can learn or glean from this and and And, trying to figure out and understand it, so last year, when the chiefs were about to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, and everybody, or at least on my side of the deal, I'm just sorry, I just Patrick Mahomes in his prime versus Tom Brady at fifty six years old, I'm completely convinced the Chiefs are about to win the Super Bowl, but something happens two or three days before the Super Bowl. Andy Reid's son, who's on the coaching staff, is a a linebacker's coach, gets in a car accident, I believe on February the 4th, days before the Super Bowl, and the Chiefs lay an egg in the Super Bowl. Andy Reid's son in a car accident that injures three people including, I believe, a five-year-old girl severely. She has brain damage and has been or had been using a feeding tube, not expected to have a normal, full life, not expected to recover. Andy Reid's son, they find out, was drinking. He's facing felony DUI charges or DWI charges. prison is hanging over Andy Reid's son, uh, Britt, for his involvement in this accident that injured three people and a young girl very severely. The Chiefs go on to lay an egg in that Super Bowl and watching that Super Bowl, one of the things that struck me the most was like, the Chiefs have this high-powered offense, they have the greatest offensive coach of his era and the broadcasters are no one's talking about. Well, I wonder if Andy Reid is distracted. I wonder if his son and that car accident, what happened to the young girl and that girl's family. I wonder if that's hovering over and has it distracted Andy Reid and perhaps taking him off his game and perhaps taking the Chiefs off their game. Because this isn't a son that was uninvolved with the Chiefs organization. He was on the coaching staff. And so what happened to the Chiefs in that game, not really shocking. They get beat 31 to 9. Their offense looks like hot garbage. And lo and behold, we go into the 2021 season and things haven't really improved. The offense looks very inconsistent. Patrick Mahomes looks like a, he doesn't look like a a half billion dollar quarterback anymore. The guy, the the highest paid player in the league, the guy has thrown nine interceptions, seven games into the season. And virtually every weekend, there's a highlight of him doing something stupid that could lead to a turnover. He's fumbling the ball. He's throwing the ball to the wrong people. The offense is in the toilet. Do we think it could be related to the fact that Andy Reid has something hovering over him, the possible imprisonment of his son, and that that has played a role in the demise of the Kansas City Chiefs? I don't say that to demonize uh, Andy Reid. I don't, and and I'm well aware that Andy Reid has a younger son. I think Garrett, who died in 2012 of a heroin overdose while working on the Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff, I'm well aware that Garrett, at previously in 2007, had been in trouble with law with law enforcement and had gone to prison. Andy Reid, and I don't say this in any way. Uh, to be derisive or diminishing or negative about Andy Reid. Parenting is one of the hardest jobs on the planet. And to some degree, but not not all, but some of is luck. And then when you throw in the type of job that Andy Reid has, coaching at the highest level, being involved, like, Again, I'm sitting here telling you one of the greatest things I, th- I thought he did was working with Tony Dungy and working with the NFL and helping uh, Michael Vick retransition back into the NFL workforce and rehabilitating Michael Vick's image and helping him be a successful quarterback in his second career. One of the great things I- I've ever seen in sports, and it's it's why Andy Reid will always have my respect. But. When you're a coach or when you're a minister, a lot of time, you funnel a lot of energy into a lot of other people and maybe you funnel more energy into other people than you have time to funnel all that energy into your actual own kids. And so I want to be crystal clear. I am not trying to criticize Andy Reid. I'm trying to speak honestly about the demands of the profession that he chose.
4: On Thursday, we're going to take a chill pill. Subway fight video on TikTok. Now, I don't know. I don't think this is a Subway video, like not in the Subway restaurant. I think this is like a Subway video, like if you get knocked off on the tracks, your ass might get ran over by a train video. Y'all need to check this out.
3: Uh, There's a Twitter feed, at libs of TikTok. It's bio states showing how how society is deteriorating through videos. Uh, The feed launched approximately one year ago. It has nearly 370,000 followers. Libs of of TikTok is the predictable reaction to the 2020 summer of George Floyd, the Karen video craze, and the past decade of viral social media videos second-guessing police-involved shootings of black suspects by white cops. Influencers such as Sean King and DeRay McKesson built followings and raised money, popularizing the belief that white police officers were wildly, randomly, and frequently killing unarmed black men. Corporate media outlets played along with the ruse because it increased ratings, clicks, and relevancy. Young journalists such as Wesley Lowry rode the ruse to a Pulitzer Prize while at the Washington Post and then parlayed that notoriety into a lucrative TV job at CBS Evening News. Colin Kaepernick, he rebranded from an NFL flop to social justice martyr. (laughs) LeBron James cast himself as the inarticulate Muhammad Ali. Working in conjunction with the Black Lives Matter movement, The Democratic Party raised funds, terrorized major cities, mobilized voters, weaponized poll workers, defunded and demoralized the police. Uh, But if you know anything about human nature, the laws of nature, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Social media's racial grievance industry has finally spawned a clever white rebuttal. Libs of TikTok. Among many other things, the feed showcases instances of bad behavior by Black Karens or Kendricks. There's a video of a Rutgers University professor going on a racist five minute rant. The professor is, you know, a garden variety Stacey Abrams. Uh, Let's take a look at uh, Stacey Abrams 3.0. I'll call her 3.0 because she's just as weighty. I don't want to call her 2.0. 3.0 of Stacey Abrams, uh, this Rutgers professor. Let's take a look at some highlights from her racist rant.
5: One, I think that white people viscerally fear. It's not that white people don't know, right, what they have done. They know they fear that there is no other way to be human but the way in which they are human which is to. so you know like you talk to white people and whenever you you really want to have a reckoning about it they say stuff like you know it's just human nature if y'all had all of this power you would have done the same thing right and it's like no that's what white humans did white human beings thought there's a world here and we own it prior to them black and brown people have been sailing across oceans interacting with each other for centuries without total subjugation domination and colonialism and that's the thing that white people don't trust us to do because they are so corrupt you know their thinking is so morally and spiritually bankrupt about power that they can't let you know they fear viscerally existentially letting go of power because they cannot imagine that there's another way to be it is either that you dominate or you dominated. If we believe that history starts for us when white people drag us to these shores, then we can never get outside of the notion that this is going to be our existential struggle. Whiteness is gonna have an end date because it, it is not, despite what white people think of themselves, they do not defy the laws of eternity, right? Their projects are not so sophisticated that the natural laws of physics change for them. Mm.
3: Honest, honest question. If I dyed the top of my hair blonde, would anybody be able to tell the difference between me and Stacey Abrams 3.0? Honest to goodness, if I dyed the top of my hair blonde and does Stacey Abrams 3.0, does she get any attention other than ranting about white people? This is her hustle. Because she can't get any attention any other way. Perhaps. Golden Corral Buffet. I'm sure she gets a lot of attention there. But other than, you know, dining out, other than ranting about white people and moving her hands around and dyeing her hair blonde and trying to look as white as she possibly can while ranting about white people. I don't know, I'm gonna have to call her Jason Whitlock uh, 3.0. Maybe I should dye my hair. Not that you know. Anyway, I, I'm. But that's the kind of content Libs of TikTok has been building a following off of, exposing people like uh, the overweight professor in the house, heavy professor, heavy heavy P, I guess is what I would call her. <laughs> I, I know people get upset with me when I make fat jokes, cause I'm fat. But damn it, if a fat person can't make fat jokes, who can? Anyway, uh, there's a more interesting video that Libs of TikTok put out yesterday. It shows an ugly incident on a New York subway. A black man punches a white woman for using the phrase chill pill. Uh, We're gonna play the entire video here, although I think it's somewhat edited because I think that it shows her punching a woman three times uh, just so you get the gist of it, but I think Based on other videos I saw, I think he only punched her once. But anyway, let's roll the tape and then I'll talk about it. My it train my riding and my feet. Say it to my face now. I say it to my it. face now. I tell I me do do to do take it. a chill pill. Tell me, tell, say, say the word
2: chill
5: pill. Chill pill. Oh. oh. Say the word chill pill. Chill pill. Oh. oh. Say the word chill pill. Chill pill. Oh. oh. Violent, she's a female. Mind your business. What? Mind your business. Mind your business. Say it again. That's OD. Say it again. That's OD. I'm trying to to my black business. You understand? Mind your business. I'm telling you to look my I'm dealing with
2: my You understand? Mind your business. Mind your business. It ain't about being a robot. It's about getting my respect from people like you. All these other races out here. Mind your business. I never gave, man. I'm ready to f- anything up that's in my
4: business. So, so that's that's me, how man's right there. At me,
2: man.
4: And he let his girlfriend
1: get robbed. F- Y'all niggas
2: out here looking for victims. I'm a f- suspect. You understand? Oh no. Suspect. I do shit out here.
1: This is nuts. Mind your
2: business. And when my family on the train. You wanna rock the nigga so bad. Out the way. And it's like you not even so oh, shit.
4: I got something to
3: say about black. Video's hard to look at. Um, the guy believes he's somehow earning respect and thinks that his job is to go out and get respect from races, but that's the way we're programming people right now. Uh, people's lives, some black people's lives, are dedicated to winning the approval, respect, of random white people that they blame for whatever problems they have in their life. That video is both sickening, but it's also fascinating. The violence is obviously sickening. The reaction to it, though, is fascinating. No one reacted. Women didn't move to check to see if the woman was harmed. Men didn't move to defend the woman. Everyone froze and watched and talked and cast their eyes down. The most prevalent response on Twitter was to blast the men for not coming to the woman's defense. That was my gut reaction the first time I saw it. And then I thought about what would I do in that situation? On this podcast and in the columns I write, I spend a lot of time talking about the need for men to be bold, fearless, and masculine. What would I have done on a crowded subway had I witnessed a deranged bully confront a woman and then strike her for saying he needed to take a chill pill? The woman were a friend or a relative? I know exactly what I would have done. I would have struck the man and dealt with the consequences, whatever they were. But what if the woman were a stranger, a damsel in distress? I can't confidently say I would have reacted not in 2021, 20 years ago, I would have at the very least moved to restrain the man until the police arrived. Now, I have no confidence that the police will arrive. My perception of New York is that the city is lawless. Mayor Bill de Blasio has taken drastic measures to limit the authority and prevalence of law enforcement. Many major cities have done likewise. Corporate media and social media champion black criminal suspects. By defending a white woman from the attack of a black suspect, any man, whether white or black, runs the risk of being vilified and harassed. A year ago, white cops shot a black girl and she tried to stab another black girl. The cop was demonized. LeBron James sent a menacing tweet that targeted the police officer. The left has established a culture that works against men defending women. The culture is double-edged. The victim of the subway attack has bought into the new culture too. She believed there was no upside or downside in verbally confronting a deranged male nut job. I'm not blaming the victim. She's a victim too. I just happen to believe that 20 years ago, She would have turned away from the male nut job. I feel sorry for the woman. I feel sorry for all of us. We're hostages to a society dominated by illogic, dishonesty, and racial grievance. The system is rigged for men to be weak, women to be foolish, and nonstop racial conflict. We're rigged for self-destruction. And on Friday,
4: this is the one y'all got to hear because this is the one where my guy J.W. Whitlock decides he wants to start the morning show off with a nice little intro. I don't even remember what he said. He said that, uh, uncle Jimmy couldn't be here cause he's over at, um, that, that Kardashian girl who ain't really a girl. I was over at her house. Oh, but his monkey ass didn't know that I was backstage and, uh, I caught him off guard. You need to hear this. Uh, Uncle Jimmy,
3: for your update on him, uh, I think he's chosen a Halloween costume. He's going to go as Caitlyn Jenner uh, to a Halloween party. I believe he's hosting at his house. Uh, that's what he told me yesterday. If that changes, uh, I'll update you at some at some point over the weekend over my Twitter feed. Uh, but I guess you really think that shit's funny, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you really think
4: that shit's funny, huh? <laughs> yeah, really, huh? huh? I'm, I'm going as Caitlyn Jenner, huh? <laughs> yeah! Go ahead on, Mr. Big Ass. Go ahead, keep on cracking your jokes. Go right oh, on there. Uh, what was you saying? Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going as Caitlyn Jenner, right? Come on. I had no idea. I cried no damn good and well you didn't. <laughs> I had, had no- the little skeleton in the chair. <laughs> Uncle Jimmy dead.
3: <laughs> and Uncle Jimmy don't want to be on TV. He done lost <laughs> weight. <laughs> Uncle Jimmy in the house. I, I, people, I'm rarely surprised. Uh, I am 1000% surprised. I had no idea you were here. How long have you been in the building? Uh, ever since
4: you've been sitting back there uh, getting your makeup on? For real? But man, I take that back. Ever since you came and stood right there in the door and talked to him, and I stood behind the door. Oh, wow. <laughs> you
3: sound good, man.
4: Well, look, after you. if you would have seen this doctor bill they just sent me, <laughs> <laughs> you hurry up and get your ass back to work, too.
3: <laughs> Jim, you look good, man. Jason, you look good. I, I am. I. I am rarely surprised, dude. Um, you know, I got to confess this now. Uh, you know, I did not go to the hospital to visit Jim. No, he did not. Too afraid. I'm right, right <laughs> around the corner from him. Right around the corner from him, where he jog every day. <laughs> so this is my first time seeing you in weeks. Now we talk on the phone virtually every day, but you. Man, you look good, man. Thank you. I feel good. You look like you moving
4: good. Okay. Okay. What did I just tell you? I just got that doctor bill yesterday.
3: Oh. Believe me. <laughs> Believe Motivated. me. Motivated. Oh, you're going to see me back to work. <laughs> That's <laughs> about was, to happen. You, you met the new uh, makeup uh, artist? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So she asked me today, hey, when do you think Uncle Jimmy? And I'm sure that was a setup. She must must have already known. Uh, And I said, I I was like, probably two or three weeks. But I, I told her, I was like, I don't want him to come back until he's 100% because I'm one of them people, I don't accept excuses. Oh, I'm I'm playing hurt. No. (laughs) You show up on the clock, you playing. Yeah, Yeah, Ain't no word after that.
4: Well, actually, so let's get this clear. I'm just showing up for this post-game interview, okay?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Just so you don't start no mess here. Jim, awesome to see you. I know the audience is happy to see you, we talk about you every day. They've been putting positive energy and thoughts and prayers. Okay, then let's tell the audience this real quick, because I've been waiting for this one here, because y'all know Jason talking
4: about, oh, I love Uncle Jimmy, oh, I- hey man, why, if you love me so much, why in the hell did you send a case of popcorn to my house?
3: That was for your kids, Jim. That was for your kids. Okay, but you also remember when we
4: started this job, you said, Jim, don't bring them donuts in here to the job.
3: Don't bring them into the office, remember? Jim, you don't live here at the office. You have a very lovely home. That makes it even worse. What? Those are for your kids, Jim. Them donuts was for Corey and Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Uh, That's a very good point. Uh, But I I thought I had diabetes. That- sent, sent candy grams to the hospital every day? That was literally one of my best friends, like a brother to me, Ralph Wise, his son. That was his school drive project. You know, he sent me, his son sent me a very nice note, Uncle Jason, I need some support on the school. So I, you know, I wasn't going to let the popcorn come to my house. I noticed. <laughs> I noticed that picture I sent to you had a, empty,
4: uh, a quarter of an empty bag. Yeah. It was delicious. Yeah. All right.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Jimmy is back. Wow. I'm just hoping this doesn't mess with this fire. I'm about to start because I'm all fired up. Make it happen. About this fire. I'm about to start. Make it happen. Uh, We have a fantastic show uh, for you today. Uncle Jimmy's here. Uh, he entered the building by cursing. Jim, there's been a lot less cursing since uh, you went away. Uh, uh, but anyway, it's awesome to have you back. On a scale of one to ten, I would call it an eleven in um, the level of joy I feel right now looking at you. And I, I'm saying that in all seriousness. I have never been so more creeped out in my life. Uh, and you should be. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being, <laughs> hey man, I'm, I'm overfilled with. Good joy. seeing you, brother. His,
4: Honestly,
3: brother, truly. Y'all don't realize we really haven't seen each other since. I know it's, it feels <laughs> like three months because you was out with COVID, then you came back, and I'm about to go full Randy Moss.
4: Which, which brings me to the point: at some point, Lord, it, when is Jason gonna start putting in his putting in his dues?
3: <laughs> Jim, you know when I put in my dues every night when I hop on that treadmill for two well, hours.
4: Well, I tell you what: if that's what's saving your life, I bet you I get one of them damn things <laughs> tomorrow.
3: <laughs> bet you. <laughs> Jim, I've been in the gym, and I've been eating much better, and I got to thank you. But I got to quit talking about it because, you know, I don't know. You weren't here when I mocked Randy Moss for crying, and and damn, that's damn near the emotion overtaking me right now. Just but, but,
4: but, but you do understand, yeah. no, I wasn't here, but I did hear you did call me talking about, Jim, you sure you can't come out to dinner with me? Because Booger McFarland invited me to dinner, <laughs> and I'm not sure this ain't a setup. <laughs> Man, I'm going to look up and Randy Moss going to come out of nowhere. Jamel Hill going to come out of nowhere. That girl with the pretty legs. You was scared as hell.
3: Now see, you done told Booger McFarlane's business, man. You know, you know, uh, these people in the media can't be seen out with me in public. They, they, they can't. Look, all I
4: know is Randy Moss said he was going to touch you up on sight.
3: And, and came you- to Nashville and I
4: never heard from him. <laughs> man, whatever. <laughs> you like, Jim, I don't care if you're in a wheelchair. You sure you can't come out? <laughs> Like, you gonna repair and protect me. As long as he don't hit me in the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> also, the real deal he wanted to talk about was the NAACP letter to pro athletes to not sign to teams in Texas over the Texas law and abortion and, and voting. Do you get that? Does that make sense? Because somebody tell me what the hell The NAACP got to do with abortions. All I know is NAACP is black. So we just putting black and abortion together again, huh? Damn it, didn't I say in the beginning, guess who's black,
3: black again. I used to be a dues paying, card carrying member of the NAACP. And then I realized the organization used the struggle of working class black people to advocate for elites and other made members of the Alphabet Mafia. I have an instinctive disdain for elites. It's why I can't stand William Edward Burkhart Du Bois, better known as W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, the elitist Harvard University clown, who at the behest of white liberal handlers argued that a special talented 10th of black people could lead black America. Northern white liberals decided they could identify an elite group of black people, a talented 10%, and use them to manipulate and control the black race. In 1903, these white overseers commissioned Dubois to write his infamous, talented 10th essay. Six years later, the same flock of overseers Founded the NAACP and made Du Bois the black face of the organization. The NAACP is a black face organization. Mm. It was founded by and has been funded by white liberals since day one. Its highest honor is the Spingarn Medal, an outstanding achievement award given to black people. It's named after Joel Spingarn, a white Jew who served as either chairman of the board, treasurer, or president of the NAACP until his death in 1939. The NAACP is an organization run by and for elites. It was allegedly founded as a biracial movement to advance black people. Advancing black people now includes objecting to a Texas law that prohibits abortion after six weeks of pregnancy. On Thursday, the NAACP issued an open letter to the players associations of the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and the WNBA, urging players to not sign with teams in the state of Texas. Let me quote here from the open letter. As we watch an incomprehensible assault on basic human rights unfold in Texas, we are simultaneously witnessing a threat to the constitutional guarantees for women, children, and marginalized communities. Abortion is a basic human right. Mm -hmm. Abortion after six weeks is a basic human right. The advancement of black people is contingent on the right to abort a baby. The NAACP is putting a black face on wickedness. Abortion is a black issue now? It's the same tactic white liberals use to define LGBTQ issues as black. We, black people, are the faces of the BLM LGBTQ CRT alphabet mafia. Liberal elites, both white and black, use black people as pawns to execute an agenda that doesn't serve black people. The NAACP fronted the assault on former President Trump's initiative to slow immigration at our southern border. In June of last year, the NAACP won a Supreme Court case, Trump versus the NAACP, that stopped the Trump administration from dismantling the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, DACA. DACA is an immigration policy that allows exemptions for minors brought to America unlawfully. DACA isn't a black issue. Black Americans, we've been here for hundreds of years. We're not here unlawfully. It's a policy supported by white liberals to increase their political power. We, black people, foolishly believe enhanced political power for white liberals improves the lives of black people. It does help the so-called talented 10th of black people. It helps elites. By bank account, I'm considered elite. By birth, mentality, and education, I'm working class. My father did not graduate high school. He started out as a factory worker and eventually opened a small tavern in the inner city. My mother, she was a lifelong factory worker. I went to college on a football scholarship, not because my family could afford to pay and not because of any great academic achievements in high school. I'm not elite. I would have never been identified as one of the talented 10. I'm that old school American, common sense, grit, show up to work every day, American dream. I'm, I'm what, I represent what America used to be about people from the bottom who by hard work, not by birth, not by the perfect family, not by legacy, but by, through hard work work their way up the ladder. I'm not an elite, no Ivy League school, no prestigious academic institution had an ounce of interest in me. I graduated from Ball State University with a 2.3 grade point average. I wasn't interested in joining the Greek boule fraternal organizations. Many of them make great contributions to their respective communities. My best friends are members of Kappa Alpha Psi and Omega Psi Phi. But Greek fraternities don't fit my personality. There's often an elitist mentality that comes along with membership. There's certainly pressure to conform to a group mentality. I embrace that pressure when it comes to religious faith. I reject it in all other spaces. The NAACP supports unrestricted abortion rights. I don't. I don't wanna be a part of any group that does. Further, the NAACP wants to pretend that Texas's new voting laws restrict black Americans from voting. It's a lie. The laws attempt to restrict cheating and prevent illegal immigrants from voting. The NAACP's agenda in Texas is to push against the abortion restrictions. The organization included comments about voting laws so its real agenda could be slightly cloaked as an effort to protect black people. The talented 10th are in cahoots With the satanic agenda of the far left. The far left want a do what thou wilt society. Do what thou wilt is the philosophy of the satanic occult established by Aleister Crowley in the early 1900s, the Thelema occult. Do what thou wilt justifies humanity giving into and legitimizing every human desire. If you're born a man and feel like a woman, go for it. If you're a grown man, attracted to young children, go for it. If you're too undisciplined to protect to practice safe sex or abstinence and you create a child, kill it while it remains in the womb. Do what thou wilt. Christianity is about acknowledging, taming, and combating our sinful nature and desires. The the NAACP's position on abortion lets you know where the organization stands on God. I'm asking all professional athletes to examine where they stand on God and reexamine where they stand on the NAACP. Don't fall for the black face. W.E.B. Du Bois painted that on to conceal the wickedness of his handler.
4: Like I said, y'all, this is your boy, Uncle Jimmy. Back on the scene. Hey, listen, we need y'all to tune in. Listen to Fearless every day. Join that Fearless Army, man. Become a fearless fanatic. Hit that like button. Join this army. Become part of a movement. Be part of something that matters. See, It it, it ain't just getting into something because every now and then you got to get into something just because it's the cause, all right? Honestly, get in here, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, become part of something that's going to make a change in the world today, all right? And let me tell y'all this. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot send me for my. I don't know the rest of the words. I don't. Shit. My mama made me change the stage. Get that shit off my TV. Mama it's cheers. Ain't no black people on there. Mama, they ain't even got black people picking up the trash. <laughs> How you gonna have alcohol and no black people? That's bullshit.